0: You're listening to Borderline Idealist. Join us every Sunday for new episodes where we focus on introverts, highly sensitive people, and mental health. Log on to borderlineidealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and to find ways to support us. Together, we can give a voice to introverts and tear down mental health stigma. Hello everybody, welcome to Borderline Idealist, our Sunday episode. It's AJ, the INFP. Hey guys, I'm Chris, the INFJ. And we have a special guest with us today. She hosts her own podcast. Joining us all the way from... Detroit, I believe? Yep. (laughs) Did you want to uh, introduce yourself, Zyra?
1: Yes, hi, my name is Zyra, and um, I host the podcast for So Unbelievably Borderline. And I talk about having borderline personality
0: disorder. That sounds great. Yes, and it's it's very interesting. Um, she's one of the first people that I uh, actually contacted on Anchor. Um, she writes really great uh, poetry. It's so beautiful. Makes me <laughs> want to cry sometimes. I was <laughs> like, that's how I feel. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And so this episode is going to be talking about religion and mental health. How those kind of go together and how sometimes they clash. So I'm just going to begin talking about my experience with being a Southern Baptist and full disclosure right now, I'm, I'm an atheist, but that, you know, I still have some experience. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were raised in the Southern Baptist Yes. Church. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church and. And
2: I, I was raised in a Catholic background. I have Mexican parents. Mine weren't as, um, what do you say? Strict. Strict. Right. <laughs> but there was a, a big chunk of my growing up period where we did go every Sunday and I went through some of the early stages of um the right passages of heritage in the Catholic Church and stuff. So um and Zyra, what's your background, Zyra?
1: So I actually come from a very, very strict Muslim family. Um so strict that they didn't even allow me to get help for my mental health for a really long time. Uh, because they didn't think that it was a real so I grew up with um, parents that prayed five times a day and went to the mosque every single day.
3: Oh my and goodness. And it has
1: really, it's really affected my life because um, they're very, very cultural, they're very religious, um, and they've had a huge part of controlling what I did and what I couldn't do.
2: Right. Wow. Including
1: my relationship.
2: I would
0: complain <laughs> when we would go every Sunday <laughs> to yeah, church. <laughs> that's how that's how it was for me. We went every Sunday. We also went on Wednesdays for uh, Bible study. And then we would wake up early on Sunday to go um, to Bible study also. So mm. my parents were very so religious. Of the three of us, <laughs> I think I'm the least <laughs> orthodox of
2: the of the group yeah you got it because i would yeah it was <laughs> mostly just sundays and then for special occasions of course for the holidays that was something okay. special but Zaira, do uh what do you do you still identify as muslim or something else
1: um i usually identify as muslim but i'm kind of going through like a weird days right now where i don't really know who i am and what i want
2: okay so you're, you're...
1: probably to identify as a Muslim because i think at the end of, end of the day like um i believe i guess i believe in god i want to believe in god i want to believe in the goodness of religion mm-hmm. but um you know i haven't had the best experience with it so i think i'm trying to formulate my own experience right. and my own relationship with that
2: so you are more of a um I think cultural uh practicing uh Muslim, right? so because you 'cause you're yeah. not you're not oh, very yeah. strict, uh I wouldn't say or would you say that?
1: No, not at all. Right.
0: So <laughs> that's
2: well that's in, that's important to important distinction I think because there's like a lot of Jewish people are cultural Jewish, you know, they mm. they practice certain things but definitely not orthodox or or like with the Catholicism as well. My parents we're not never really orthodox. They were they believe in Jesus and Mary and the the whole basic tenets of Catholicism, but they
0: weren't overt, um, orthodox Catholics. Um, and mm, I, I don't know. Do I have that problem? I don't think so. I think I can, but I feel there, like there are very, a lot of denominations of Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, uh, different like sects in Christianity that believe different things or, uh, how how you should get to heaven uh, mm-hmm. different ways that you can get to heaven. You know, there are some that are like really extreme and say, you know, you can only be black and go to heaven, or you can only be white and go to heaven, or you have to, um, you have to suffer this much, or, you know, even to the point where, uh, if you're, if you're gay, if you're gay, you can't go to heaven. Um, if you're gay, you can go to heaven. You just have to repent every day. Cause it's a sin <laughs> or, there are Christians that say, mm, no, being gay is okay, God made you that way. So it's it's confusing.
2: Um but it's it's I find it interesting that you what you said about kind of finding your own way right now, because I feel like that's what I went through a couple of years back. Um and for me it was during the time where I was coming out. I don't I haven't been diagnosed with any mental illness. So, so i can't really speak from this perspective but um from that perspective but i i think you know all of us would agree that religion you know all religions have certain restrictions that it imposes on on its followers right and and kind of in a way tries to control and to mold them into a certain way of living and being
0: well i just know as a as a southern baptist it was Not really talked about in the church. It was something that you would kind of keep to yourself. Mental illness? Yeah, mental illness was not (laughs) something that was talked about. We've never heard. i never heard talk about it either in church. And if it was, you would, you know, you'd hear people in the church be like, oh, that person's a little special. That person's a little crazy. And if you, I think if you went to get help for it in the church, they would just say, pray more. You know, that's the answer for everything. You just pray more, read this Bible verse. It was never like you need to go talk to a psychologist. I feel like in in my
2: church, the only time that I've maybe sort of had interactions with it is I think within the Catholic Church, people believe a lot in demons and like being possessed. So oftentimes, sometimes when people would misbehave or do things out of the no norm or ordinary they would say they were possessed by a demon and there's many different demons for different things they would do exorcisms and that's where yeah and so the the extremes is when they do exorcisms and oftentimes looking back you know into history oftentimes people that had even bipolar disorder or any disorder where they couldn't control their motor skills or even their linguistic skills they would think it was because they were possessed and they would do these exorcisms Um and that only ended up damaging the you know the person more because it was very it's a very traumatic tra- traumatic cool. thing. I'm not sure if uh, if there's something like that within the Muslim tradition.
1: Yeah, actually, um, exorcisms are a really common part of the Pakistani cultural perception of mental health um, because. Oftentimes like I said, like people, especially in Pakistan, they don't believe that mental health is real. You don't believe that you could have mental illness just disorder, for obviously disorder, schizophrenia, like whatever. They think that either you're depressed or anxious or have some sort of mental disorder because there's a deficit in your relationship with God
3: mm.
1: or or you're possessed by what we call um a djinn, which is kind of like a demon. Um, and so my dad is actually seeing people, like, be exercised in body because they did public exercise, uh, exercise. Oh. And, um, and it's really, it's really scary. So, um, obviously these people need help. They need to be, like, they need proper medical care and people don't leave them and they, like, put them in chains and they, like, throw water at them. But mm-hmm. at them, and do all we'll this crazy stuff to them, and obviously, like, this a very traumatic experience. Even with myself, like, um, there would be moments where I'm questioned question whether or not, like, I'm actually human, and they're like, oh, well, you've been acting like this lately, are you sure you're not possessed by a gin? Or Do we need to take you to the, to the mosque? Or do we, need, do you need to drink, like, holy water? Or are, do you not have a stronger relationship with God? Is that why you're feeling depressed? Is that why you're feeling anxious?
3: Mm-hmm. Because,
1: um, it's funny, it's funny, it's actually kind of, like, ironic, because, like, people will believe, like, they, they're willing to believe in what they can't see, like, God, like, Jim, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to believe in what they can't see in terms of mental health.
2: Right. Or even in med- in the medical field, right, when we can't understand certain things, they're very quick to dismiss them as something that could potentially help with regards to medicine or psychological treatment, psychology, things like that that's very interesting yeah
0: i i wonder if we try to ble- I, I just want to say in the in the baptist religion i i remember hearing about demons but it's not so um so much talked about they don't really say you know you're b- <laughs> possessed by a demon in the same way now if you're hearing voices or you are depressed, you know, usually it's just, it's just pray a lot, you know, it's not that you're, that you're going through some kind of demonic possession, but I wonder if that just makes it easier for people to believe, and if they believe that there is a demon inside of you, they, they believe, oh, well, there's something that I can actually do about it, that I can do about it, you know, something that I can take into my own hands by, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, it's the 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 thought of
2: the power of prayer. I believe, right? That if you pray hard enough, things will come out all right. And I'm not sure if that's something that your parents. Uh, you mentioned that that's what your parents sort of tried to to do with you, um, Zira, right? To to try to resolve this through the religion, faith, or through your faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was, well, I, it's like kind of like, really, like okay, you must not have a strong enough relationship with God. That must be the reason why you're facing all these problems. And it's like, okay, well, when you have like cancer, for example, or so any other like medical condition, you don't just read the Quran and automatically get better. Right. And
3: it's
1: the same thing with mental health. You can't just throw a religious text at someone and tell them to pray more or tell them to have a better relationship with God and expect them to automatically get better.
2: Yeah. How how long did it take your parents to come around the idea of or understanding the mental illness? Is it something that you had to constantly advocate and, and tell them about, or did they do it, research on their own?
1: It took an extremely long time. So when I was in high school, I first had like symptoms of a lot of mental health issues, especially like anxiety and stuff. And I constantly told them, I was like, I think I need to see a therapist. I'm getting really anxious in my class. It's affecting my grades. Um, and I'm crying in class, and I'm seeing the counselor and all these things. And um, they were like, well, what is wrong with you? Why would you say that to us? Like, your friends are getting in your head. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, do not ever, ever say that to me. Like, I'm never getting you a therapist. And so it was kind of like that for like a few years where I was like, okay, well they're never gonna get me help because that's just how my parents are. Um, but my mental health started to get a lot and a lot worse, especially my first year in college where um well, someone like had, I, I've always had problems with abandonment, but it was like the, like the worst at that time. And someone really, really close to me like stopped being in my life. And so I got really, really um, like, I, I handled it really, really badly. I was crying for, like, three weeks. I, like, did not leave my room, did not go to class for three weeks. I like, wasn't able to handle it. And that was when I first noticed that my mental health was getting worse because that's never happened before. Like, And I, I didn't think, like, in my brain, I didn't think that that was, like, enough reason to get help. I was like, why am I crying over this person? Like, clearly, like, this is such a dumb reason. The most likely be of health thing, I'm, I'm just probably, like, exaggerating it in my brain. But it was like, I didn't go to class for three weeks. I was a hot mess. My <laughs> mental health was deteriorating. I couldn't, like, do normal things. I couldn't get out of my way. Uh, and then I slowly, like, started to get out of that rut and got better. But then I got worse again, my, like, the beginning of my sophomore year of college. And it got really, really, really bad to the point that, uh, at one point I literally needed, like, my friends literally needed to call the police, because she was afraid of my own safety, because I wasn't being like, safe to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had gone to the hospital. And then my parents didn't know any of this. I somehow, like, got myself out of the hospital because I didn't want to be there because it was just a, a very traumatic experience, and somehow I was able to leave, even though my reports came out positive for, like, suicidal ideation and stuff. I was kind of able to, like, manipulate my way out of that situation. But, I told my parents about it. and I said, well, listen, like, I have been engaging in self-harm and I, like, had to go to the hospital because of suicidal ideations, And this was getting to be an extreme problem. And I don't know what it is it, because it's more than just depression now and it's more than just anxiety. At this point, it's something I don't even understand. Um, and so they were like, okay, fine, like, we'll do anything because I was such a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And so they were actually the ones that contacted the therapist and the psychiatrist and got me in, like, as quickly as they could. But they still don't understand what's the health. It's like at that point, it was like a dire situation. And at the point that I am now, where I'm a lot more stable, they're kind of like, okay, well, when are you going to get out of this rut? Or, like, when are you going to stop taking medication? Or when are you going to stop being in therapy? Like, when are you going to get out of this? Right. Is what they say.
2: It seems like they were the only way that they were able to react was when they saw everything that was yeah. at its worst.
0: And and that's a lot like my story. I know that Zyra had an episode on her podcast where she was talking about uh, when she first uh, was in college and was going through these things. And it resonated with me because that was almost the same. When I was growing up, I was having anxiety attacks, but I didn't really know what to call them. And I would tell my parents, and they would just be like, oh, get back to work. You know, do your homework. Oh, you're fine. And when I finally went to college, I started trying to kill myself. Uh, all these crazy things. And I got into a mental hospital, and I I know how you have to kind of manipulate your way out of there. No, I'm fine. Everything's cool. <laughs> I was just going through a little episode right there because it's, it's a lot when you're in, um, in a hospital. You know, when you're just surrounded by all those things. And when my parents were, when my parents saw the scars and when they saw me go to a hospital, then they became really concerned that I needed to see somebody and that it was more than just praying to God could handle. It was more than just reading my Bible and finding a passage and going to church. And, you know, during that time, I was trying to go to church. I was trying to find myself within god but i just could never really get it together hmm. so uh and to this day my my mom understands a of what i'm going through she understands my mental condition but my dad does not accept mental illness at all he he thinks that it's That He he actually told me that I should just pray more, that I should just become a Christian. It's because I'm an atheist that I'm going through this. If I had God, then I would have something to lean on. Because he says that when he's depressed or when he's anxious, he has God, and that helps him get through things. So why shouldn't it work for me also? And I had to kind of explain to him, you know, borderline personality disorder is lifelong. It's something that, you know, nothing is going to make it go away. Uh, I I think one of the the most hurtful things is when your parents just don't understand, when they think you're just, this is just a phase. It's it's like being gay, you know, your parents are like, okay, when are you gonna, (laughs) when are you gonna see, you know, this is just a phase. It's hurtful and you have to sort of let go of your parents ever understanding. They may never really get it. They may never fully understand it, but that doesn't mean that. You don't stop advocating for it, you don't stop telling people about it, and you don't stop, you know, don't stop talking about it. Because that's how stigma begins, when we don't talk about things and we just try to put them in the closet. So, I I really enjoy uh, Zyra's podcast because she defeats stigma every time that she posts something, and there was... A while that she wasn't on there. And I was like, where did you go? <laughs> so it's it's just, it's so important to talk about it, you know, and just realize it's not going to go away if we just ignore it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and another thing for me was, like, I think what made it a lot worse is that, like, my family, they're so, like, they're so, so strict that they weren't, like, they they... So basically, like, they couldn't know that I was dating anyone or that I had a relationship, um, especially because the person that I'm dating right now, um, Chris, he's uh, white and he's not Muslim. Mm-hmm.
0: And so... <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
1: So <laughs> my, my, my parents, they don't know anything about Chris, and they there's just, like, this pressure in my brain because they've always told me, like, if you date someone outside of our religion, outside of our culture we're going to disown you, we're going to, oh, like, do no. X, Y, and Z, we're going to, like, they've said emotionally manipulate, like manipulating things, like, I'm, I'm going to kill myself if you do this or do that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the culture that I come from, um, there are things that people do called honor killings. Not to say that my parents would do this, but, like, in rural areas in that country, right. they, like, kill, they kill women for, like, disobeying their parents and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, not to say that my parents would ever be that extreme, but they come from that sort of mentality, so, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of the burden falls on the women, and so I think that has been, like, a leading cause of a lot of my anxiety as well, and, like, perpetuating my borderline personality Mm -hmm. disorder, because, like, I'm terrified of abandonment. I've had a lot of people leave me, and yet, like, it's this cycle of abandonment that won't even stop, because... I love my boyfriend, and I care about him a lot, and he's, like, an amazing part of my life, and he's been so supportive of my, like, mental health and stuff like that. But at the same time, my parents are giving me an ultimatum. Like, they don't, well, they don't really know anything, but they're still giving me an ultimatum, where they're like, if you do this, we're going to leave you.
2: Right. Ah, that's horrible. Yeah. Is that, is that what's causing you to sort of reanalyze your, your religion, uh, the way that it's affecting your parents, in, in the way that they express their love to you? I wonder.
3: No,
1: I, I don't know if it's, like, if it's that making me reanalyze my religion or if it's just, like, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't grasp what it is. I know that I started pushing back a lot more um, because of how strict it was growing up in that household where, like, I wasn't allowed to hang out with guys, I wasn't allowed to like drive anywhere that was twenty minutes farther than where I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Pakistan like almost every single year. My parents extremely traditional. Um, I don't, I don't really don't know what it is like. Like for example, like I'm only twenty years old, and my parents are already like on my case about like getting married to like a thirty year old Pakistani guy. who's, like a doctor. Like wow, I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I don't. So I, the, I, I don't know if it's the culture, or if it's the religion, that, yeah, it I, like, or it's the household that I grew
0: up in. It's, it sounds like but, the the expectations, and that's you know that's a lot what I I deal with with my dad. The the expectations of this, this, and this, what you're supposed to be doing, what success means. Well, I think for
2: for her in in that religion, I think it's because religion is so closely tied to culture. Mm. And so a lot of the things that as a community people do in general is it's just goes side inside side like marriage. And then uh, the communities are a lot closer knit together. So if you do, if you stray outside of the norm and the culture, that's, you know, that's why they, she mentions that they have honor killings because it's, it's, it's an offense not only to your family, but also to the community at large, right?
1: Yeah, that's a lot. I don't I don't even think my parents, in general, are religious people. It's more like they care about what everybody else around them thinks. Right. And I
2: remember... Uh, And we have... Look, go ahead.
1: We have... Yeah, sorry. We have a very, very, like, niche, like, Pakistani community where I live uh, in Canton, Michigan. And they... Or, like, where my parents live, at least. And, like, they all are, like... They all, like, think the same. And they all do, like, these weird things. And like they all lie about their lives, like especially like you know the the more Americanized like children of like from those families, right. they all lie about what they do and like all this stuff. And it's just like this really toxic environment because everyone just cares about what other people will think.
2: Right. And I I remember that was one of the things when I was questioning my religion and pushing back on my parents because my parents wanted me to get um what's called the confirmation which is basically you accepting the tenets of the Catholic Church as an adult. You know, you formally become a full Catholic Christian because you're saying yes, I believe in all of these tenets, right? And so that's just part of the steps that you take as a Catholic person. So when it was around my time in the, it goes by years, around 18 is when you usually do the confirmation. I was around 21 and my mom kept pushing and pushing and pushing for me to get this because she's like, you know, your godmothers, what's your godmother going to say? You know, what's so-and-so going to say? You you need to do this. And finally I said, you know, I can't do that because I don't know if I believe in everything that I would be espousing to confirm. And that would make me a liar. So I don't think God would want me to be a liar and, (laughs) and say things that I don't know in my heart to be true. And so, and, but I noticed that because Catholics, I think that's one of the difference between um, you and I, Ajani, is that, you know, the Catholic and Christian and Mexicans, they have a closer community than a lot of more than a lot of American culture does. So that was one thing when I came out to my mom. What are the people going to say? What, what's your family going to say? What's what's people at the church going to say? And and I think that's. Part of the the, the tradition of uh, or part of religion is that it does such a good job of weaving everybody into such tight knit communities that part of the way that it keeps people in check is by saying, you know, if you stray out of line, everybody around you is gonna shun you. Well, what are the
0: and you're gonna be left out. One of the proverbs that they would always read in my church is that it takes a village to it, was, it takes a village to uh build to grow no, a child? I'm sorry, it takes a yeah, yeah, something like that. It takes a to go, um to uh, make a child or something to like grow. that. To grow. Yeah, to grow a child and I'll mm-hmm. make a child. <laughs> but, you know, being in a black church is very close knit. Right. And that's why my dad, you know, when we were talking about me leaving my um prior job, you know, he was very proud of me at that job. But when I left he was just like, Oh, now I don't have anybody I don't have anything to tell anybody, I can't be proud of you because What will people say? And it just, it's, it it seems like our parents are more concerned with making themselves happy than their own child's happiness. You know, I think our happiness sort of gets lost in there a little bit. And it's not because they want us to be miserable. They just want us to be successful and, and, and. Their eyes and and everyone else's eyes, just like Zyra was saying, how the community sort of lies about what everyone is doing. I'm sure that's what my dad does when people ask, "Well, what is Ajani doing?" Oh, <laughs> he's you know he's a he's a lawyer up in blah blah blah. No, I'm sure he he tells them something. No. You know, probably not a lawyer, but he probably tells them I something because you have to to keep up
2: appearances. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not maybe necessarily that they don't care about our happiness. It's more that they they derive happiness from certain things, which is community and religion, right? Or, you know, to to boil these down. So, um, for... <laughs> I lost my train of thought. So to them, to be happy, there's these things, you get married, you have children, you get a good education, a good paying job, and you'll be a good, upstanding citizen, and everybody around your community will respect you and look up to you. And because there's that sense of community and trying to do good or be better than the next person, I guess. Um, and oftentimes that's why, that's one of the things that I remember from when I would go to church is. So much gossiping. It was just ridiculous. And I would be like, Oh my God, guys, you you come over here to church and you pray to God and and how all these that's things what are bad. Is <laughs> for what there's think? so much gossiping. <laughs> it's like talking behind people's back and saying some really mean things. That's I that was just such a bad turn off for me to see people being so two faced about things. Um that it was just that's something that really irked me and kind of helped me push, push myself out. Um, but I think it's more just being a good standing with the community and people that, that you look up to and that you want
0: people to look up to you as well. Zara, what do you think? What do you think about that? You know, parents, do you think parents care more about their happiness or they just care more about, you doing better and being better than they were and just having this American dream?
1: I think it's like a mixture of both, especially for my parents, because my parents are like immigrants from Pakistan. And when my dad came, um, he didn't have a stable job or anything. He worked at a gas station in the middle of Detroit. And he kind of like worked his way up to the point that like you know, he's an engineer now. He makes a lot of money. He's able to support his kids going to college and be able to pay for their dorms and their apartments. And we have like three cars, and we have we live a very normal, stable life. And but he has to build his way up there mm-hmm. um, from coming here. And so I think part of it is he wants us to have a better life. Um, but at the same time, I do think that like he values like his. His wife, like my mom's happiness, a lot more than our happiness. And sometimes I feel like they forget how much we have, like, like the the first generation has to sacrifice for their parents' happiness because they came to the United States, but they never came with the intention that their children would assimilate to American culture.
3: Mm. And
1: so, and so, uh, I have I have this weird identity crisis where it's like, am I you know American? Am I Pakistani? Am I both? Like like, am I even allowed to be American?
3: Because
1: because all these American ideals, I can't even, like, a lot of these American ideals, I'm not even, like, able to follow, like, I have no sense of independence, or, um, like, there, like, there's no, like, people, like, Pakistanis, for example, like, they don't believe in the idea that, like, you turn 18, that you're an adult. You're not an adult until you get married. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just how it works. Um, but, I, I don't know, like it's kind of sometimes I do think that they're definitely really selfish because, like for example, like I can't be with the person that I love or the person that I care about the most because they're so scared of what other people will say, right, and that pressure and living under underneath that pressure is so stressful because it's not like it's not like i it's like i can't even I can't just like hide Chris from my parents, I have to hide Chris from my entire community,
2: right. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's, I can't imagine that. I remember that was one of the main reasons when I came out to my mom. And I remember specifically telling her, I, this is who I am. This is part of who I am. This is, I'm not, Christian is not just about being gay, but being gay is part of, be, of who Christian is. And I'm telling you because I don't want you to hear from anybody else. We, we lived in a small town. And because my dad's a landscaper and uh, a lot of the people in our in our town knew my parents from one way or another. So I was, between the period of me accepting who I was and then me coming out to my parents, I was always walking around on eggshells so scared and so stressed out about somebody seeing me uh, or... Or, I'm not sure, somebody (laughs) thinking that I was gay and then running to tell my parents. And I I remember telling my mom, I'm telling you because I don't want you to hear from anybody else. And, you know, of course she said, well, what are people going to think? Or this and that. And, you know, I was like, well, who cares what people think? I I don't, they don't pay my bills. They don't pay my education. They don't owe, I don't owe them anything. And you shouldn't care either because they don't give us, they don't, you know, they don't, pay our house or anything like people are allowed to have their opinions they they don't want to talk to me that's fine um i would think that you would care more about my happiness and this is what makes this is what will make me happy i I would hate to be in a relationship in a heterosexual relationship i'm like i could i could lie and say and you know go through life living a facade marrying a woman having children And then I would be so miserable that... I would be pissed off, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. You would just be so miserable. I want you. (laughs) You would be so miserable. I'm like, so I could do all that and live a miserable life. But I don't want to live that life. I would prefer to live an honest life to myself and find happiness in the way that I can. And that should make you happy. Because my whole life, my parents, I remember growing up, my mom specifically... Said, you know, everything I do is for you for you for you three, my sisters and I, and I want you guys to be happy. And you know, my whole I would I would die a happy I would die happily knowing that you guys are happy. So that's yeah. when I came out, that's what I told her. I was like, you know, your whole life my whole life you told me you wanted me to be happy. This is what makes me happy, so you should be happy that I'm that I'm finally happy being myself. And it took her a couple of months to come around to the idea, but I think it was it definitely getting past that point of the fear of what other people are gonna think and within the community and within their religion um that that helped them get past that and I think even after that, they sort of stopped going to church as well because I think they maybe have noticed that the hypocrisy in people and all well, and a lot of the things that I noticed within our within our community and our church community, basically um I think they kind of got turned off by that as well. They still believe in my mom prays every day and you know the whole shebang. but I think that um i I think that me coming out to them had an impact on how they view the church itself, and especially when you would when a lot of the stories coming out of like these priests molesting children and all the cover ups and all this nasty stuff that goes on in in church and in the Catholic church it, I think it was helped them um question their authority a little bit more and saying, "You know why should I turn around and hate my son because this church is telling me to you know and i th- I, mean, I think
1: I was inclined to think the same way because i i don't I don't think I will have like a positive happy ending. Like that's all, of, I, all I'd hope for is that my parents could somehow figure out a way to support me. Like, like, honestly, I would stop everything if they would just support Chris. My parents wanted me to like stop drinking or stop like, or like stop like, you know, smoking weed or like stop dressing a certain way that they don't like or becoming more religious or going to the mosque more often or pray five times a day. I'd do it just so that they could like be more supportive of Chris. hmm um, but I don't think that's ever going to happen because of just like how severe a thing it is to them.
2: Yeah. And fortunately, I think that's, that's the, the threshold that people have to get over. Mm. And I think for my mom, when I came out to my mom, I was ready to, I had to prepare myself mentally to be disowned or to be shunned. I didn't think that would happen, but I couldn't help uh I couldn't take the risk of that possibility being true. So I had to mentally prepare myself and like harden myself. I remember, you know, talking to myself and telling you telling myself, you gotta be strong, Christian. This is who you are, and you can't you can't live a false life and i would cry a lot <laughs> thinking of all these different scenarios of how my parents would react and disown me and how disappointed i would make them but i think for me and i think everybody goes through this this um similar journey with with religion and understanding their own religion and kind of taking the bits and pieces that they need mm-hmm. um and and learning to make it their own, as opposed to just following blindly, um, a lot of these tenets that kind of are very update outdated. Yeah, you, know, uh, you know, and and that it's not only that, but it's just plain hurtful, right? And I think that was the main point for me is that you know there's a lot of different things for every religion. There's a lot of great stuff that you can pull out from every religion out there in the world, but there's also a lot of negative stuff. And for me, that line. Is crossed when institutions preach something that hurts individuals and and splits families apart. In your case, you know, not allowing you to be with someone who you love, a, a person who loves you and respects you and cares for you, um, splitting you two apart would make would would harm you so profoundly that I think that's something that's you know bad that that. Shouldn't be advocated for.
0: You kind of, you kind of think is that something that that God wants, right? You know, or who who knows uh, what God <laughs> wants, right? Or, you know.
1: Yeah. I don't even think it's about God. You know, like I don't, I, I don't even think it's about God at this point. I think it's just like they're, like my parents are afraid that they, like they could lose their own family at the same time for a mistake that I've made. Like, people could, like, maybe their family members could stop talking to them. Yeah. Because of a decision that I've
2: made. Right. And it's something that they eventually would have to get the past that fear, right? Because it, it boils down to fear, I think. And, like, with my yeah. family, my mom, that's what I told them, too. When she said, well, what are your aunts going to say or your your fa- our family? Like, they're going to say whatever they think. If they don't want to talk to me, that's fine. I uh, I would hope that you would care more about me
0: than you care about anybody else. <laughs>
3: I think it, I think it's fear
0: what other people say, but I I also really believe it's fear of what will happen to you. I remember my dad when I came out as gay. He, he said, "Man, you're you're a gay black male in America. Your life is going to be really hard. Are you sure that's what you want?" Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really have a choice in any of those. <laughs> I don't have a choice. I can't change myself from being gay. I can't change myself from being black. I can't change myself from being a man, you know? Or, men- or your mental condition. Yeah. And your parents are just so afraid of what is going to happen to you. And, and I think they, they wonder, how did this happen? I raised you to be, I gave you everything so that you would be, you know, not perfect, but just right. have, have all the advantages in life and you're going to screw it up.
2: What? <laughs> But, so I think that's that's what it boils down to is fear, yeah, right, right. fear of the unknown, fear of what people would do and in and for your parents, like you said, uh not only about fear, maybe for yourself but also fear of what would happen to them if I guess their families are gonna disown them because they feel like they failed or they're gonna kick out of the community at large or something, so yeah, this. That's all
0: very tough. I think something that we should, I, I hope our listeners take from this and we all take from this is that we, if we have children, I don't want to have children, but <laughs> if I did, if I changed my mind, I would want my child to be happy and loved. and healthy. Yeah. Happy, loved, and, and healthy mentally and physically. You know, there's just so much, you know, my parents wanted me to be healthy. Physically, but I don't think they really thought about the the mental aspect of that. They just kind of thought they were just, you know, depression, um, anxiety. Those just things that you can just get over, you know. Because they they got over with it by you know having God, having religion, mm-hmm. having friends, you know, having a hobby. You know, find something. That's something my parents always say. Well, you need to do something. You're depressed. You need to you need to go out and do something. Yeah, I just need to go to a club and party. That's all I need to make myself happy. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, um, I'd like to I think we're getting ready to wrap up, but before we do, I would I think what we did with Jamila last time where we asked, um, in this case. Zyra. Zyra. <laughs> what um if we were to if you were to give an advice to someone who maybe is going through something similar to you and they're in the Muslim faith and they're struggling with their mental health. They're maybe recognizing it right now. How would you best, uh, what would you say uh, would be a good advice to, to them to maybe um, seek help for themselves, even if their parents or other people that are around them aren't ready to to provide that for them?
1: I would tell them to continue having hope that I'm going through the same experience that they are that they're going through and that like the like the end of that journey will be worth it. Because right now it seems really difficult and right now it seems really hard and it seems impossible to be able to get through like such a difficult phase in our life. Um, especially with our parents and like the way that they um impose the stress and this idea of honor and burden um especially to women in our society but i would tell them that there there's a reason why uh like you there's a reason why you are on this earth there's a reason why like you're in the united states um and the, there's like you have the autonomy over your own like ideas and your own beliefs and if being with someone that you love makes you happy, then you should be making choices that make you happy, not other people happy. Because like sometimes we forget that our parents didn't just come to to the United States to offer us a good life. They also came to the United States for their own personal gain as well. And sometimes we let them manipulate us and make us think that they've sacrificed so much for us that we have to sacrifice our own happiness for them. But like our mental health is really, really important. Mm. And, so, and so is, like, being able to live a life that is worth living. Right. And if you end up following everything your parents say and do things like, like, um, swallow your pride and, like, just take it and do what your parents want you to do, then you're gonna end up regretting it later on. And so, you know, be bold, uh, but be strategic about it too. Like, make sure you have a good backup plan, a good safety net, um, people in your life that will support you when you do go through that and then you know hopefully you'll be a lot happier like later on in your life because you're able to finally live a life where you don't have to hide from anyone
2: at all
0: I think that's very nice words to finish on Mm -hmm. really great we want to thank Zyra for being a part of this conversation and I want to encourage you guys to check out so unbelievably uh, borderline. It's a really great podcast. One of my favorites uh, to listen to oh, on, a, on and She Anchor. also has some really nice social media. The, you're on uh, Instagram, Oh yeah, right? on Instagram. She has really pretty yes. pictures.
2: <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, so go look her up. Um, We're just making you look really good right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's
1: really sweet guys it really is like but also like you guys are pretty fantastic as well and like definitely have a different perspective to to, like talk about things from um because like borderline personality disorder is very common among women but it's not that common among men Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and
1: so you have a completely like radically different perspective to talk about
0: well thank you yes that is very true well
2: um (laughs) guys we want to um, let you know that we, you can always go to our, our website, borderlineidealist.com. If you want to listen to any previous episodes, you'll also find a page um, where you can see, read our mission statements. What we're trying to do with this podcast, there's a support page if you can, where we accept any donations for any quantities that you're able to and if you can't that's fine as well you can always <laughs> plug <in>. shameless <laughs> just a little bit uh, you can <laughs> but you can also share a lot of people don't realize that even just sharing the podcast or social media accounts is a great way because we're reaching other people and hopefully able to help more people
0: as we move along this this little journey that we've started so and i do want to remind our our listeners that um, my project better than depression. I've been posting every day since November 12th. Yeah. Um, basically things that remind me that, you know, I'm better than the sadness that I'm going through. Um, the depression that I'm going through, the projects going really well. I want to thank everyone who's listening. And of course, after this episode, there'll be uh, one of those. Um, and if everything goes well, I think I'll, I'll keep doing it. I hope I don't, run out of things to be happy for you know (laughs) I don't think so so from Borderline Idealist AJ the INFP this is Chris the INFJ and this is
1: Zyra from So Unbelievably Borderline
0: if you love listening to the show why not support our cause we ask for a dollar a month to help grow our website and reach more people If you feel like what we do is important and makes a difference, we ask that you stop by borderlineidealist.com and click on the Patreon link in the menu. Thank you as always for listening, sharing, and inspiring us to do bigger and better things. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Follow us on our Facebook group and Instagram for more behind the scenes. If you like the episode, why not help AJ and Chris reach more people and leave an iTunes review to help others discover the podcast. Together, we can defeat mental health stigma.